0: Hi, everyone. I'm James Rothwell, and on today's edition of the Effective In Focus podcast, we're learning about marketing strategies from a leader in the collector car space. You may know this guest as the chairman and CEO of Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auction Company or from the world's greatest collector car auctions TV show on FYI and History Networks. Here to share his insights and experience on staying relevant during uncertain times is Craig Jackson. Welcome, Craig. I thank you. So, Craig, let's start. Um, why don't you tell us about the Barrett Jackson company and how you typically go about reaching audiences in the market for collector cars?
1: Well, Barrett Jackson, coming up on 50 years and it's evolved. So, what used to be just print paper magazines when I uh, was growing up in the company, I realized that to get the next generation and more people involved we needed to go into more media not just print so that led me to bringing the auction to a new network called speed vision back in 1996 and roger werner was uh, key to have an anchor for that new network and he took barrett jackson and we put it on live television same we were very early into the internet. I put our entire auction catalog in 1994 on the internet. By 1995, we were doing live streaming. So we've always been ahead of the curve. And that was very good for when the pandemic hit. It led us, we've always been very much on technology. Back in 1995, we wrote our own app as to how to stream and do internet bidding. And we've also done a lot of interaction between television and bidding using the internet. So now the three that we knew were going to merge together have finally all pretty much come together, and that helped us during the pandemic.
0: It's like you uh, you see the future, or at least you future-proofed your your business uh, in a, a long, long time ago. So that's fantastic. I mean, you talked about the pandemic. You know, obviously the current Im- environment has impacted the car industry significantly. How has it impacted the way that you've operated and what's the demand looking like for classic and collected cars today?
1: Well, during the start of the pandemic, during the lockdown, we pivoted and did online only auctions. And we used the same procedures that we use in our live auction, but also the things we learned over the years of selling cars online as to how to vet them and how to show potential buyers uh, all the good and also the flaws of the cars so that when they get the car home it is exactly as represented and that's been a process that we've worked on so we did one online auction only auction in may and then we did another one in july and then we got back to doing live auctions in october again but we sold uh, about 20 percent of the cars to people online so the two really work symbionically together and that's something that people have that trust in barrett-jackson because they know that we do a lot more than anybody else to help vet the cars and it's also that experience of coming to barrett-jackson now the october auction was a lot different because it was very social distance and we take this very seriously But it still means you can still have fun you can still come look at the cars and then bid on whatever way you want to phone internet or in person
0: you know it's very interesting thinking about um how classic and collector cars fit into the overall automotive marketplace um you know it's been obviously massive change as i said before um, with the industry experiencing issues around latency and production lines in terms of delivering new car inventory for dealers um, but some dealerships have, you know, really um, turned around uh, amazing record numbers in terms of used cars this, this year as a result of that lacking in new car inventory and, and maybe a change in consumer behavior as well. Um, and you talked a little bit about um, how people are getting comfortable um, using online, using internet to, uh, to research and do, uh, do more uh, in terms of getting further along in the, in the purchase process. What's changed for you guys in terms of the classic and collector car buying segment during this time? Having
1: the procedures that we've used in our live auctions and selling cars on the Internet for years, I think, gave us a bit of a leg up. Now, one thing is the volume. We're not just putting two people together and saying it's caveat emptor. We were in the middle of the process. So a lot of the cars we actually shipped into here at our headquarters, videoed them, showed all the flaws, actually took them out, drove them around the block and showed what the car really was, was like and actually did some driving video on some of them. That, I think, is important for somebody sitting at home wanting to buy a car sight unseen. Now, when we went into our October auction, we offered a lot of those different ways but we also tied in social media posting as many cars out there live streaming and it all came together throughout this entire pandemic to entertain and educate and that really has been what we've tried to do ever since we went on television is how do you get new people comfortable with coming in to something they know nothing about and showing them you know what to look for in a car. Talk to them about the car, and trying to be as open as you can about what the vehicle actually is.
0: I'd love to spend a bit more time talking about the power of television in that way of being able to extend the reach of your brand beyond those that would uh, typically or historically come to your your uh, you know your company, your your offering, and you know you've you've been able to effectively go beyond the piston head and bring your value proposition to the masses uh, through television. So I'd I'd love to I, you know you clearly had a vision for that. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you know the overall effect of TV as a marketing vehicle for your brand. Um and then maybe we could talk a little bit more about uh for other auto dealer auto brands as well as um consumers. For me growing up I was on the
1: I would say forefront of technology, because I took computer programming back in the early 80s and really wanted us to stay ahead of everything and learned a lot of stuff, you know, back before eBay was even founded or any of these, you know, electronic commerce. But I also realized you have to educate people and entertain them and show them the lifestyle. And Barrett Jackson's about a lifestyle, you know eBay, when it first came out, like, well, we're going to dominate selling cars. Well, there's a few things you they missed, and I had long talks with them about it. One is the passion. Two is how you vet the cars. And it's the experience of buying the car and feeling good about it. And television helped bring so many new people in. And part of our show is how do you educate people while entertaining them while showing that buying and selling cars is fun and they have multitudes of uses. And we get asked all the time and part of our education is one car doesn't fit everybody. We, we don't, when we build our dockets, the run list, it's not all number one trailer queens. We have trailer queens for guys that just want to take them to shows. We have cars that are all original. We have cars that are restored to be drivers and then we sell resto mods. And part of this is when we first started selling resto mods, even our announcers didn't know what they were. It's restored, but it's modified. And it goes to what SEMA is, and that's Specialty Equipment Manufacturer Association. And that is all the aftermarket parts where you can customize a car. But what we keep hearing from people is they want to buy a car and go out and have fun with it and drive it. Or they want to buy a car and they want to go to a road rally. Or they want to buy a car and they want to go vintage racing. All different cars, all different things to go out and enjoy. And using television and social media and showing people what the hobby is all about and how to get into it, that's what I thought Barrett Jackson's job was to do. Being the oldest company in this space, being the one that is the most trusted, To bring it to the masses and show you how to get into this hobby and enjoy it and have fun. At a typical auction, we'll have about 40% first-time buyers. The next biggest chunk is somebody that's bought a car from us, taken it and had fun with it, and then taken, they'll bring it back to us, sell it, and buy another car. And they keep working their way up the ladder. And that is because this is a hobby that is also very much a social aspect. But you don't get them unless they first find you on television or the internet and really working together.
0: I think what you said is there's a lovely analog um, to the world of TV advertising, right? You're, you're looking to reach your audience, um, more broad, reach a broad audience, but you are obviously looking to tailor the value proposition and make it relevant for people in different ways. All those different types of cars, different uses of cars that you talked about. Um, you know that's what a, a good advertising campaign will do is, is kind of uh, educate but also entertain but also um, give people the um, the option and the and the, sort of the, the pull in um, to that new product or service that would uh, that they may or may or not have, have contemplated before so I love the, I, uh, I love the way you he talked about that.
1: I think the other part of this is is all the OEMs at Barrett Jackson. And really what Barrett-Jackson has become, you know, in our world, we are that World Series, that Super Bowl where everybody comes together, but also all the OEMs using us to launch new vehicles, we've unveiled cars and then sold VIN number one right at the auction. And that goes into their whole advertising campaign is to, that car sold for a million dollars at the Scottsdale auction when we sold the first vin one c8 you know that car just blew the roof off the place at over three million dollars so having the oems there doing ride and drives having product specialists and tying it into their advertising campaigns which a lot of our best customers are also uh, a lot of new car franchise dealers too because they're car guys through and through and They love coming to Barrett-Jackson as well as all the heads of all the major OEMs and selling their VIN ones for great charities, you know, to dates raised over $120 million by doing that net for charity. So it's all encompassing and it brings you to the point. Barrett-Jackson is a lifestyle that brings people from all 50 states pre-pandemic 17 foreign different countries. In Scottsdale, we did $141 million worth of sales at the start of this year, of the way 2020 kicked off, and had an unbelievable amount of charity money raised at that same auction and showcased a lot of brands that they took Barrett Jackson and selling those VIN ones. And it all comes together and it's a very integrated approach.
0: Yeah, I love the the tie-in there with uh, with the across all the tiers of of auto, right? From the OEMs down to the the local dealer, um, there's an opportunity and a tie-in and a and a partnership opportunity and an alignment opportunity with your brand and your, and your lifestyle uh, value proposition. Maybe you could share some some lessons learned, um, you know, during this year uh, about the automotive business that might apply to both kind of all ends of the spectrum from OEMs down to uh, down to dealers across the tier.
1: It's pretty much mirrors our live auction. But one thing we've noticed is the demographics. So when I took over this company, we were primarily selling cars to the pre the World War II generation, the greatest generation. And then we changed the mix to start getting boomers. Now we've really changed the mix into X geners and the mix of cars have changed. And when we're promoting, you got to promote to what the next generation wants, not what the past generation loved. And you've got to, as we say, stock the shelves. So you can't just have you know, something in the supermarket for carnivores. You have to have a bit of a mix. And what does this mean? It means that unless you show people what the options are, they have no idea. And by bringing multiple generations together, now we're selling a lot more Japanese cars. We are selling a lot more SUVs. That ties back to the OEMs when they're unveiling new cars. We unveiled the new Supra and sold it at the auction uh, two years ago at Scottsdale. The price of used Supras went through the roof after that. So the two really tie together uh, unveiling and selling the first GT500 Shelby while we're selling vintage Shelbys, but then we're selling resto modded cars too. So you really get this cross generational change, and it goes to the way we advertise between social media, between Facebook and Instagram, and the way we're doing it on television, because you're having to hit all these different demographics, we will see a grandfather, a father, and a son at the auction, and they're all looking at different things, but they're all sharing cars as their common hobby that they like together. And when we were on TV, by having the streaming and the app and fantasy bidding games, you have to watch live to keep up. And I learned this from my son when we were watching football. And I said, let's pause it. I go to the bathroom. I'm going to be off sync from the game. So we do fantasy bid. And it's really, everybody has parties around Barrett Jackson and watches Barrett Jackson. They'll bet on what this car will do as compared to this car. So that's where we created this game called Fantasy Bit. And it really is that interaction. And it really keeps people glued to the television set to know what the next car is going to bring.
0: There are increasingly fewer um, sort of appointment TV moments, right? Sports is obviously one. News brings people to, to the television to watch live. People are increasingly watching more things on demand, but uh, using interaction, interactive um, mechanisms like that to, to make sure that people are tuning in makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm very impressed at how you guys have adapted and ultimately thrived um, throughout all of the changes that have happened in the media space. Well, it keeps evolving,
1: but we've had now, a good foothold in it. And as technology changes, we keep adapting. So, you know, I've been live streaming the auction since I first cut the deal in 1996. We've always had the ability to live stream. Back then, nobody thought those rights are worth anything. Now they're actually worth something. Yeah. Turns
0: out streaming's a thing. Um, It is.
1: How about that?
0: Yeah. How about that? Um, So tell us about what's next for Barry Jackson. Uh, What can audience look for in 2021?
1: Well, hopefully we get back to more live events. We have had to postpone the Scottsdale auction because of the spike to March, but I think we will get back to more of our usual rhythm of live events. Thing that I'm excited about is our customers are so anxious to get back. The OEMs have got all these great cars that they want to unveil at Barrett Jackson and sell VIN number one. And the... I don't think the enthusiasm has died down i think it's pent up i feel like we're getting ready for the roaring 20s and people want to get back to live action and watching their favorite shows and barrett-jackson is one of those and it's that getting whether you come to the live auction or whether you're sitting on the couch at home with all your friends watching and bidding against each other on fantasy bid i think you're going to see that keep growing and Getting the next generation really into it has been my goal, and I look forward to growing that throughout 2021. It really is a three-legged stool, and you got to have the live, the linear, and the digital. All three of them come together at Barrett-Jackson.
0: Let's finish up with uh, with a final question for you, Craig. What's the one car, uh, or maybe I'll allow you two, um, that you had to sell, you, you let, let through your fingers, uh, that maybe keeps you up at night?
1: It doesn't keep me up at night, but, you know, I bought a car to go do road rallies, and uh, I bought a short wheelbase covered headlight California special and got it ready to go do a road rally, and the more I drove it, the more I figured out I didn't fit in the car very well. I'm like, I don't see me doing a thousand miles with my knees mashed in the dash up to the steering wheel like this. A good friend of mine goes, I'd hold on to that car. He goes, you got a jewel there. And I was like, yeah, if I can't drive it, I don't want to keep it. And that one's probably a 12 to $15 million car nowadays. But I have a rule. If I don't drive it and I don't enjoy driving it, I sell it because I love driving my cars. So it's the one that got away. Would it look good in my garage still? Probably. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's always got to be one, right? Um, but um, I, I know you have your collection is probably pretty solid, so uh, I think you'll be fine. Um, I have a
1: good cross selection.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Craig, I really appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you so much for sharing your very valuable insights with our audience. Um, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you. That wraps up this edition of the Effective In Focus podcast. Remember, you can get insights like what was shared today on our website, effective.com slash insights. On behalf of Craig Jackson, AE Networks, and the Effective team, I'm James Rothwell. Thanks for listening.